Welcome to the What About series where we talk about therapy topics in a highly condensed and easily digested way. Our goal is to help the average person understand some of the more complex or misunderstood aspects of the mental health world. Let's get into it. All right, welcome to another episode of the What About series. Welcome, welcome. This is episode seven? I yeah. believe this is seven of the What About series. Since are seven weeks already. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Seems like we just started it. But yeah, welcome to another episode, week seven, episode seven. Episode and seven. Today, yeah. we're going to talk about something we haven't talked about before really much at all on the podcast in any episode, but yeah. it's a personality disorder, and specifically borderline personality disorder. And I know for me, at least, it's not one that I knew much about before I started going to school. I never really heard about it up until the point of like going to school to be a therapist and um, researching a little bit more in psychology classes and just on my own time. Yeah. But it's a... It's not super common, but it is something that struggle a lot of people struggle with, and it it uh I guess damages their life in a lot of ways. Yeah. And little disclaimer here before we start: if you hear a lawnmower in the background, hey, it's that season. People are mowing their lawns. It's <laughs> that time of the year, even though it's like forty degrees outside. It's forty you know, degrees you know. and eight p.m. <laughs> hey, there's no wrong time to mow your lawn. Literally thirty nine degrees. Yeah, you could throw on a flashlight at. Two in the morning, mow that lawn. And that's what this guy's going for. It's great. Yeah, at this point, that's what that's what's gonna happen. Because the lawnmower's <laughs> turning off and on. And it's it's struggling a little bit. We apologize for that, but I doubt either. you can hear it. But just in case, if you say, What is that noise? As it's they a get lawnmower. closer to the house, maybe we'll, we'll hear it and or you'll hear Zuko going at his toy, which is really yeah. cute to watch. So I'm sorry you guys can't see that. Yeah. Either way. This will help you feel like you're actually here in the room with us. It's an immersive <laughs> ASMR 4D experience. Only That's, right. That's what there. we try and go for here. <laughs> oh, boy. But anyways, yeah, the um, borderline personality disorder is what we're going over today. And it's going to be the same format as previous episodes. And we're going to get right into it. So before we get into borderline personality disorder, which we might refer to as BPD for the rest of the episode, I wanted to, I guess we wanted to talk more about specifically what personality disorders are. There's many different types of personality disorders and in the DSM. There's like at least 25. I mean, to give you an idea, there are three separate categories. Yeah, that's what I was going to give you. In each category, there's like four to five different Mm -hmm. actual disorders within those categories. Yeah, and those categories are named cluster A, cluster B, and cluster C. And they're all, those clusters are linked together. The the personality disorders within those clusters are are very similar. Yeah. Different traits, different behaviors, different outcomes. But yeah, there's a lot. There's a ton of yeah. them, and they all have different risk factors and symptoms. And But today we're going to go over one, but the term personality. So I guess this, this comes from, I guess, some course of curriculum from Enoch. Yeah. But um, there's a little tidbit of what a personality disorder is. It says, the term personality refers loosely to one's stable, consistent, and distinctive way of thinking about, feeling, acting, and relating to the world around them. People with personality disorders exhibit a personality style that differs markedly from the expectations of their culture, is pervasive and inflexible, begins in adolescence or early adulthood, and causes distress or impairment. Generally, individuals with these disorders exhibit enduring personality styles that are extremely troubling and often create problems for them and those within whom they come in contact. Individual maladaptive personality styles frequently bring them into conflict with others, disrupt their ability to develop and maintain social relationships and prevent them from accomplishing realistic life goals. And so it's a slight distinction from 
say a mood disorder, which we've talked about a few different times on mm-hmm. the podcast. So your depressive disorders and anxiety disorders, things like that. It's different. It is more about behavior than it is mood. And um, it's more, it's developed in different ways and it, it shows itself in different ways than the, the mood disorders and other disorders we've talked about before on the podcast. Yeah. They do have similarities, yeah. but they are different. There are cis- distinguishable mm-hmm. differences. Exactly. So. And so I just wanted to kind of point the differences out as we get started. And I know I wasn't familiar with personality disorders and I'm sure some of you aren't either. So that's what a personality disorder is. So getting into specifically to BPD or uh, borderline personality disorder it is one of those um, cluster B personality types in the, the second cluster. And basically cluster B personality disorders are characterized by dramatic overly emotional or unpredictive thinking or behavior. So inability to regulate emotions and very unpredictable impulsive behaviors. So all those personality disorders in that cluster B are similar in that way when it comes to the impulsive behavior and emotional instability. Yeah. And then when talking about BPD in uh, more specifically, BPD is a condition characterized by difficulties Regulating emotion. This means that people who experience BPD feel emotions intensely and for extended periods of time, and it's harder for them to return to a stable baseline after an emotionally triggering event. This difficulty can lead to impulsivity, poor self-image, stormy relationships, and intense emotional responses to stressors. Struggling with self-regulation can also result in dangerous behaviors such as self-harm. And so you can see that people that struggle with BPD just have a really hard time regulating their emotions. And when they do experience strong emotions, something like anger, depression, or whatever it is, they experience it on a whole different level than what you or I would experience Mm -hmm. it. And it lasts for, I don't want to say twice as long, even longer than that. It could be just depending on the person, but they are more extreme at higher levels, higher frequencies, and they take a lot longer to kind of come down from those intense feelings and yeah, emotions. Basically like turning the amp, like the volume on an amplifier really high or the volume yeah. on your headphones really high. Yep. They're feeling the same emotions other people do, but intensify a little bit more. It's, yep. And it comes a little bit from an inability to cope with the emotions, um, but a few other things too. But that's one of the main factors is the inability to cope and to regulate emotions. Yeah. So... Yeah, so that's a basic overview of borderline personality disorder. Then we'll jump into the symptoms here. So the first, and these symptoms do come from the DSM-5. So they are, I mean, this is exactly what the therapist is going to go over Mm -hmm. when determining if someone has BPD or not. Mm -hmm. So the first symptom here, efforts to avoid real or perceived abandonment, such as plunging headfirst into a relationship or ending them just as quickly. So they're overly dramatic when it comes to relationships. Like if something, I don't know, something little happens in a relationship, like a little disagreement, they would get out of there. Like, all right, I'm out. Because Mm -hmm. they could perceive that as uh, abandonment, you know? And so instead of them, them or their person they're dating abandoning them, they would abandon them to avoid that kind of heartbreak and that struggle Mm -hmm. there. So they would just leave. Or... To also avoid abandonment, they would jump headfirst into a relationship and not take it slow. They want to just get right in and 
be boyfriend and girlfriend, be husband and wife just right away mm -hmm. to make them feel more secure. Yeah, it's to avoid the feelings of, I guess it goes back to avoiding the feelings of, of abandonment and amplifying the feelings of connection based off of a need for dependency, I guess. Yeah. And so that's a pretty common one. One of the most, uh, from what I found, one of the most apparent, mm. I guess, symptoms of BPD. Yeah. So that one's a pretty important one to understand. Second one here is a pattern of intense and unstable relationships with family, friends, and loved ones. So it kind of goes along with the last one. The instability is kind of driven by the fear of abandonment, also the inability to, to regulate those emotions and make impulsive decisions, of course, is going to um, affect the relationships. But it's also just an outright inability to maintain healthy relationships. Yeah. It's not just affected by the other symptoms. That in and of itself is a symptom, is that inability to maintain those relationships. Yeah. And, I mean, you can see why that they would have struggle with relationships if they their emotions are always either super high or super low. Mm -hmm. You know, that could easily throw off a relationship. So then here you have the next one, which is a distorted and unstable self-image or sense of self. And so they lack, as some people say, self-esteem, self-confidence. They have a poor self-image. And that just reinforces those feelings of, you know, sadness, depression. And they get into those negative feedback cycles really quickly. Yeah. So then the next one is impulsive and often dangerous behaviors such as spending sprees, unsafe sex, substance abuse, reckless driving, and binge eating. And again, it goes back to the primary summary of the symptoms, which is an inability to cope with emotions. And so that goes into, which leads them to make impulsive and often dangerous behaviors um, such as substance abuse and um, binge eating, but also the inability to, um, I guess, go through regular, I guess, decision-making and logical decision-making. Yeah. Prevent them from making smart decisions, especially when that personality disorder is out of control or untreated. And so you're going to yeah. see a lot of impulsive decision-making, getting into a lot of risky antisocial behaviors. Yeah. And then I think one important thing to point out here, because some people say, oh, I've gone on spending sprees or I, I have abused substances. Does that mean I have borderline personality disorder? And the difference here is the word impulsive. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because sometimes I get compulsive and impulsive mixed up, mixed up with each other. But impulsive is you kind of do it automatically without thinking. And compulsive is it's methodically thought out before you do it. I believe so. Is that right? Yeah, there's a there's a distinction between the two, and I understand. I think that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Compulsive is you think about it before you do it. You plan it. Impulsive is like someone who on a shopping spree, you see it, you buy it. You don't think about it, you just buy it. You just it do just it. It kind of happens, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so people who impulsively do those things, that's when it becomes a struggle or a, an issue. It's almost automatic or reactionary. Yeah. It's like yep. a, a subconscious thing than it is... Yeah. It's it, it it lacks the the cognitive think like thought process of should I do this or should I not, which right. is what a compulsion would be of kind of weighing the options and then just doing it. But the impulsion is reactionary. Yeah. Okay. Like we talked about in our last episode on Tuesday. Is impulsive, they listen more to their amygdala, their animal part of their brain, yeah. the yeah. ancient part, rather than their prefrontal cortex where you make decisions, your logic, that's kinda of turned off. Yeah, exactly. Oh, 
it's me again. Yeah. <laughs> We're kind of switching off back and forth here. So then you have self-harming behavior. We kind of talked about this in the, the summary. So they, again, engage in self-harming behavior such as cutting. And that can be, I mean, just ways to cope with the way they're feeling mm-hmm. because it's really hard for them to regulate what they are feeling. And so to try and release some of that, they involve, they participate in some of these self-harming behaviors, which is really sad and really like, if you just put yourself in their shoes, that can be so frustrating. You feel a certain way and you literally, you don't know how to cope with it like a normal person would or quote unquote normal, like people that don't struggle with this. A person that doesn't have BPD. Yeah. Yeah. A person that doesn't struggle with this. And it's hard for us to say, at least for me to say, oh, like, that's kind of silly. You know, you can't regulate your emotions. I can, for mm-hmm. the most part. I mean, of course, I struggle sometimes, but I can regulate them mm-hmm. pretty well. And it's kind of natural and easy to do, especially if you practice it. But these people, like, psychologically cannot do it, which is really sad. And so they engage in things such as self self or Sorry, <laughs> I was burping and trying to talk <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but such as... Um, self-harming behavior to just try and get any kind of release and it's just it's brutal yeah it can be yeah it's kind of a, it's a what's the word like contradictory or um like the behavior it doesn't make sense but it does make sense i don't know what the word would be that for but because it it makes things worse but for the person experiencing it, it it's like a release for them even though yeah. it's making it's yeah. like i can't think of the word i'm looking for or the description of it but very unfortunate behavior which also leads to the next symptom um, which is the case for most personality disorders, um, in this cluster at least, yeah. is that there's recurring thoughts of suicidal behaviors or, I don't want to say threatening to commit suicide, but... Um, right, kind of just well, falls in between, yeah. in with self-harm. Yeah, it's suicidal ideations is pretty recurring and, uh, and common for people who have this disorder. It goes back to the inability to cope with emotions and to um, regulate their emotions. Yeah, and they also deal with intense and highly variable moods like we also mentioned, with episodes lasting from a few hours to a few days. And so imagine being just absolutely pissed off. And that lasts for days. Like I, that would, that in and of itself would make me mad. Even more mad that I'm still mad. And it's yeah. a couple of days later, you know? And so you can see how they can fall into those negative feedback loops mm-hmm. and just chaos. Continue to spiral downwards. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next one, which is um, from what I found, from what I understand, is a very important um, distinction of this person, of this hmm. personality disorder, which yeah. is chronic feelings of emptiness, and it it kind of goes back to their inability to connect with themselves. People with BPD have the inability to see themselves as, as their own person, yeah, and as a as, I I guess I I don't know how to explain. It. I understand it quite well, but it's where they struggle with self image. Yeah, self image, self esteem, and so they don't exactly know who they are. Yeah, and so that creates feelings of emptiness and I guess dissociation, which is one of the other symptoms. But yeah, chronic feelings of emptiness is very specific to BPD. Yeah, and I mean these last two kind of just go hand in hand with mm-hmm. that. They have inappropriate, intense anger or problem controlling anger. And they also have feelings of disassociation, such as feeling left out from or cut off from oneself and observing observing oneself from outside. Wow, that's a that's crazy wording there. Observing oneself from outside one's body or feelings of unreality. So there you go. 
in a little nutshell, those are all the symptoms that one would look for. And so I hope this is making sense now that the personality disorder is basically inappropriate behaviors in response to stressors. That's basically yeah. what a personality disorder is. It's not necessarily a mood disorder where it's a like an ability to cope with certain um, normal functions in the brain, like you're having over-exaggerated feelings of angst or sadness, which is depression, anxiety. Personality disorders are more specifically incorrect responses to social situations or behaviors and outside of the norm of personality behavior, I guess. Yeah. And so that hopefully that's starting to make sense now of what it is and what specifically BPD is. And so now yeah. we're, yeah, go ahead. One thing real quick, I actually just remembered this. There was a, a lot of therapists these days are trying to get the word or the phrase personality disorder changed to emotion regulation disorder. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense with what you just said. Yeah. Where it does actually a lot. Everyone, usually people with personality disorders, I mean, everyone who struggles with a personality disorder has a hard time coping with their emotions and dealing with them and regulating them. And so they're trying to get it changed from personality disorder to emotion regu- emotion regulation disor- hmm. disorder. Maybe we'll see that in the DSM-6. So, there you go. If that's the case. I like that. Yeah. It's much better. It's yeah. more accurate of what's actually going on. It's not right. like this, this, these people have bad personalities. Right. Because uh, that's not what it is. It's just, it's the best way that in previous DSM or like diagnostic tools, that was just the best way to, I guess, to explain what was going on. It At the time, It has yeah. to do with the personality. It's, it's more of a personality problem than it is a mood problem. But yeah. I think that's, that's a way better way. I like that a lot. Yeah. So I'm glad, really glad I remembered that now because I agree. I really like that a lot better than personality disorders. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, as far as, I mean, right now, there's still, it's BPD. Uh, we don't have any control over that, but we can start seeing emotion, emotional regulation yeah. disorder. But that's what probably not for this episode we're just going to keep on going with what we have yeah exactly but it's, just a, some food for thought there it's a good way to look at it it makes it a little more human so now getting into the risk factors um of course as with every other mental health disorder really anything family history is a common factor and puts you more at risk for developing it uh, the research just suggests that people who have a close family member with bpd may be at higher risk for developing this the disorder so it's not necessarily that it's transmissible over like it's a it's a genetic trait more that if like your mom or dad has developed it, then you're more likely to develop it by mirroring their behavior. Hmm. Like a learned thing. Yeah, it's it's like a nurture thing. Okay. It's not like it's gonna get passed on. And I guess that I kind of contradict myself because there's proof that it has to do with brain structure, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, from what we found so far, that it's not like it gets passed on from generation to generation like some other mental health disorders can. Right. And so it's more nurture than it is nature when it comes to family history. But kind of just taken as the biopsychosocial model. Exactly. Where everything plays a part, just biologically, maybe not so much. And the others psychologically and socially, Mm -hmm. those play a bigger role. Yeah, exactly. Especially with the family history here. Yeah. And kind of similar to family history, you have a history, if you have a history of traumatic life events, such as physical or sexual abuse, during childhood or neglect and separation from parents. And we've talked about ACEs a little bit, which I, we still need to do an episode on, which maybe I think we'll would be a next. great one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that next week, honestly. So ACEs are adverse childhood experiences, and there is a huge correlation between ACEs and mental health disorders. And this is one of them. So if you have a history of traumatic life events and experience a lot of stress when you're younger, then you have a higher chance of experiencing BPD when you get older. Mm-hmm. 
And then the next risk factor here is that it's more common among women and that among diagnosed individuals, women are like, it's basically 75% of diagnosed individuals are women. And so you're more, you're second. Really? Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's like, I think it's 1.4% of the population are actually diagnosed, have been diagnosed with a, okay like a yeah. B, with BPD. And yeah. of those, it's 75% women. Wow. And that, of course, could be, it's not just because it, like just women develop this. It could be it's men don't go to therapists for right. this problem. And yeah. um, it could just be underdiagnosed in men and diagnosed as something else. But interesting. From what I've, it's in, in the, one of the articles, I can't remember which one it okay. is, um, that we'll be linking in the show notes. It just said yeah. that um, women are 75% more likely cool. to, to be found to have this disorder. So. Cool. I actually didn't know that. And that's funny because we have, we're sharing notes right now. And we're looking at the same notes. Mm-hmm. And I just, I guess didn't see that as we were reading through the notes before. Yeah, it's interesting. But that is really interesting because that's really high as far as like which percentage of women and men have it. Yeah, so it's it's from what we've and, and again the research could just be spotty and it could be um Right. I mean the methodology of the research could yeah. be bad and yeah. they're not accounting for certain limitations of their research, but from what the research has found, seventy five percent more likely or of the one point four percent that are diagnosed, seventy five percent of them. Are huh. women, which is the more accurate statistic to be citing. But yeah. Okay. So women are higher risk from what available evidence we have. There you go. So the next, let's see, the last symptom here is your brain structure, like we talked about. Research shows that people with borderline personality disorder may have structural and functional changes in the brain, especially in the areas that control impulses and emotion regulation. And I think this also goes back to ACEs and your childhood, because those who experience very stressful situations when they're younger that stress, the cortisol, literally changes your brain at a young age. And the way that it develops. And the way that it develops. And so that can be, I think that's a huge part of it there. And I'm sure, you know, someone can be born and have a higher uh, chance of like a predisposition, Mm -hmm. just genetically. Like you're just born with a certain type of brain that has certain functions and structure. Yeah. Yeah. That has a hard time to control impulses anyway. But for the most part, I would say the aces those adverse childhood experiences play a big really big role Mm -hmm. and just the your upbringing in your family yeah exactly and uh, from what i've found in my personal research on bpd it used to they used to think that it was it was just the history of traumatic events especially sexual abuse that caused bpd that's all it was and it was just an inability to cope because of that adverse um, trauma but what they're starting to find is, is there is actual brain changes and whether that's from the actual tra- traumatic event itself changing the brain at a young age, hmm. or if it's you're born with it and it just yeah. happens that way, it doesn't really matter because it's the brain's changed somehow or it's different somehow. And that's what researchers are starting to find is that it actually has a lot to do with the way your brain is structured, that you do hmm. develop this disorder. It's actually quite interesting because a lot of other disorders like anxiety and stuff like that, it just is a emotional coping problem and um, overall mood problem. With this one, it's starting to we're starting to see that it's a it's a brain structure thing actually, which is quite interesting. interesting. So, at least from yeah. the, the most common, the most recent research that is being done on BPD. Yeah, I would imagine most personality disorders are, I mean, you know, emotional regulation disorder. Mm-hmm. They would have trouble regulating their emotions, and so literally in their brain, that part of their brain to regulate emotions isn't working correctly, mm-hmm. and. So biologically, I mean, they literally have, that's where it starts. 
Yeah, and that could be from like a nurture thing that you were never raised properly to yeah. use that part of your brain or that you just came out of the box that way. Yeah. But um, I, th I think I would tend to agree with that, that um, there's something afoot in the brain that's causing <laughs> these emotional regulation problems. <laughs> Quote me on that, please. There's something afoot in the brain. That's great. Um, but yeah, um, now going into the diagnosis. Now, those were all the risk factors. And I guess with BPD, it's somewhat difficult to diagnose because there's no concrete way to diagnose BPD and because there's no specific symptoms that need to be present, like other um, mood disorders or even personality disorders, like with other ones, like you need to have this certain symptom for at least six months before, or these three symptoms for six months before you can be diagnosed with the disorder. Hmm. It's not like that with BPD, but there is a full clinical workup, psychological evaluation, um, medical history evaluation, other things to rule out other things. But uh, it, it's just hard to diagnose because there is no set standard. And so it's important to see a, a therapist who specializes in personality disorders so they can differentiate it between something else going on. They can, re they can recognize it and pinpoint it as a personality disorder. Right. And one thing that I saw that's really interesting with BPD is it's almost always diagnosed within other disorders, such as substance abuse disorder, non-suicidal self-injury disorder, bipolar, and autism. BPD is almost never diagnosed just by itself. There's usually always other things that, that, that it's comorbid with that it like works off of as well. Hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. Now, I, I don't know if I read it correctly, but it was saying how BPD can almost... Like, it can't be diagnosed on its own. Hmm. Well, that would make sense. Yeah, because there's always something else with it. That's kind of... Which does make sense. That, and that would make... Especially with bipolar, because, I mean, if you... If we could easily be talking about bipolar in this episode, because right. the symptoms and the diagnosis and the risk factors are very similar with yeah. um, BPD, and so... Yeah, exactly. So um, That would make sense. I didn't yeah. know that either, though. Yeah, a little complicated there, which, again, it's why it's, that's why it's important to go see a professional that mm -hmm. actually, uh, you know... Is familiar a, with these is things. Is familiar with yeah. these things specializes and is, is specialized it. in uh, personality disorders because that can be a really hard thing to actually diagnose BPD. That's kind of frustrating. It is quite to hard diagnose. to diagnose from what I found. Yeah. Um, and it, one, one interesting thing that we do know is that borderline personality disorder is usually diagnosed in late adolescence. And um, that's like the, the most common time for it to start to, like, to show that itself, I guess, and that it's, it's diagnosable. It, it only really starts to show itself in a diagnosable way in the tra transition from childhood to early adulthood. So the mm. around 18 is when it can, is when the youngest it typically can be diagnosed okay. from, one, from my understanding. And so, um, I mean, and occasionally a person can be diagnosed when they're under the, under the age of 18. Um, but I guess that those symptoms need to be sig significant and least last at least a year mm. for it to be yeah. considered a B BPD before the age of 18. So, interesting little factoid there. So, if you're 17, 16 listening to this and you think you have BPD, chances are you don't. And you, maybe you do. That's again, go do, see yeah. a professional. But, um, yeah, 18, early adolescence, early adulthood is when it's usually start, the symptoms start to show up. Right. And that does make a lot of sense because as you go through your adolescence and you experience things like puberty, you already struggle with regulating your emotions. And that's yeah. kind of the the window there from like 12 to 18 when you learn to regulate your emotions and you're able to access that part of your brain more fully. And that makes a lot of sense that usually most people are 18 and over because 
teenagers in general could deal with more borderline personality disorder tendencies than regular, or I guess people who aren't adolescents, people who are older, young adults and adults. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're starting to actually learn these parts uh, of their brain. Yeah, they're actually starting to work for the first time. (laughs) For the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So really interesting there. Now we're going to jump into treatment. Last thing here. So like basically every disorder that we're going to talk about here. Ever. (laughs) Ever. They're going to have some of this, the usual treatment options. Like for BPD is psychotherapy, such as dialectical, dialectical. Dialectical. I've never actually heard of that one. I found it in one of the articles that we, I think it was the National Institute of Health. I didn't, I need to do some research on what that one is. Okay. Yeah. Dialectical behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, and psychodynamic psychotherapy. And I will argue acceptance and commitment therapy. Act, baby. Because I mean, it can be used for anything. It can be used for anything. Austin and I were just talking about this before we started. Yeah. How act can be used in literally everything. You just have to know how to apply it. Yeah, it's just, it's making different changes to apply it to certain issues, like yep. marriage, yep. weight loss. We were talking about how it can be applied to marriage and weight loss. Yeah. And all types of different things. So, yeah, um, all types of – any form of therapy is going to help, but I'm sure there's some better than others. And I would say acceptance and commitment therapy is better than others. <clears throat> but what's really important <laughs> with treatment is that the earlier the diagnosis and treatment, the better the outcome. And so – if you or a loved one or maybe a child, someone that you know very well, and they, they might be struggling with the issues that we've talked about today, maybe some of the symptoms, they have some of the risk factors that you're aware of, and um, you just aren't quite sure what's going on, the earlier you get diagnosed, the more likely you're going to have a positive outcome and be able to, I guess, overcome the, the disorder itself. Because personality disorders, for the most part, can be quote-unquote healed, I guess, in a way that you can overcome them easier than you could something like schizophrenia or bipolar. Um, You can actually learn how to regulate emotions better through therapy and through practice. You can learn how to um, control impulsive behaviors a little bit better. And so, and the earlier you do that, the better. Yeah. That's what the researchers have found, that um, early diagnosis is key to effective treatment. Yeah, before you ingrain them in those neural pathways. Exactly. Makes it a lot harder. And so I actually just looked up what dialectical therapy is. Let's see it. It's dialectical behavioral therapy. So it looks like it is a, let's see, 6, 8, 10, 16, 18. It's a 24-week program. So the first six weeks, you do interpersonal effectiveness for six weeks with your therapist. And then two weeks, you focus on mindfulness. Then six more weeks of emotion regulation, where you try and... You work through your therapist on controlling emotions. Mm-hmm. And two more weeks of mindfulness and then six weeks of distress tolerance. So tolerating that distress and to regulate that emotion. And then two more weeks of mindfulness. I like this. Yeah, that's actually really cool. i got to do an episode on this maybe. So, I like it. There you go. So it's an evidence-based psychotherapy that began with efforts to treat personality disorders <laughs> and interpersonal conflicts. There's evidence that DBT can be useful in mood disorders suicidal ideation and for change in behavioral patterns such as self-harm and substance abuse i like this yeah maybe cool we'll do an episode on it for sure yeah i might be doing coming to a podcast episode near you an episode on dbt maybe we'll do a what about dbt hey there we go yeah i like that that'd actually be kind of cool that would actually be a little mix up for the series 
yeah, there you go. That that is that is BPD. That is borderline personality disorder in all of its tidbits, glory, all of its glory, all of its unfortunate happens happens. I don't know what I was trying to say there. All of its unfortunate things. Um, just like most of their disorders, people that have it truly struggle with it, and it it affects their life yeah. quite quite deeply. I'm sure because just looking over those symptoms, I've never known someone personally that has BPD. I can think of a couple of people that match the diagnosis a little bit. <laughs> they might have it. That I have met in the past that could yeah. match it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they struggle with the symptoms a lot just because of it obviously affects your life a lot. And so as always, our message is to, if you have these symptoms, seek help. The help is obviously there. It says like we talked about with DBT. Yeah. Um, there's effective treatment. There's effective modalities out there for you to overcome this. And it's worth it too because you're worth it. Right, and if you are a supportive or a supporter of someone who you know that might have this problem or you know has this problem, maybe now you have a little bit better understanding of what they go through, because again, that's another big thing about this series is opening up some eyes and causing some awareness for these issues that people deal with every day. Right. Yeah, I think two big things with this series is one, for those of you who do struggle th- with things like this, even if you don't, you're worth it. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two. This is to help you have more information, to help you have more empathy for those who do struggle with these kinds of things. Amen. Couldn't agree more there. Well, that's it. That's BPD for you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something new. Um, join us again next week for another great episode of the What About series. So have a good week, everybody. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy, yeah? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy, yeah? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy, yeah?